0: hello everyone i am so excited i feel like i need to i need to make my intros different but you know this is what this is what's coming forth i'm gonna go with it i am thrilled to be bringing this conversation to you with eva Lau, who i had such a pleasant fun you know uh it's like, you know, two people getting together, asking each other questions, diving deep into the human experience, consciousness, reality, uh, suffering, the fixing loop. We talked about so much in this episode that it's hard for me to summarize exactly what you're about to hear, but it's really, really, really good, really powerful, and it's going to make you think. I think Eva is so good at asking questions, and I really appreciate that in this episode. So you'll hear us kind of back and forth asking each other questions. So I thoroughly enjoyed doing this episode with her. And let's just let's just dive in, dive into today's episode. And if you want to send Eva an email or me an email, and let us know any takeaways, anything that actually stuck with you. Or opened you or landed with you. I'm pretty sure she would love to hear from you, and of course, I will as well. But I really wanted to say something that would just kind of give a little bit of context. So if you notice that I don't do my intros in a way where I say, Hi, I'm interviewing such and so person today who is such and so thing and does such and so thing. I actually want the episodes to be about the person, and you get to experience who the person is, their essence, their frequency, their medicine, and not riddle you with a description of who they are and what they do. So this is why you never hear me introduce people as, I'm interviewing this person, this is what they do, and this is the book they wrote, and this is, you know, what accomplishment they have. That, to me, is not important. I want to get to the soul of a person, the essence of a person when I interview somebody. And therefore, I omit their professional bio completely out. And I don't even put in the description for the episode. And that is the reason. I want you to completely come in and meet the person and meet their frequency, meet their essence. So that's why I introduce people the way I introduce them. And I think this is a really fun way to do it because it allows you to feel who this person is and then you can go digging trying to understand what their external accomplishments and external place in the world is so I thought I would share that with you today and let's dive in
1: say one topic that it's more of a curiosity. I wouldn't say that I'm coming here from an expert point of view. It's more of a a conversation I would love to have with you about what happens when we don't feel connected to source. Mm -hmm. What happens when we don't feel spiritual and I, I I bring that up particularly because in this move I feel like I've gotten so caught up in logistical things and just like trivial things like what color should my new rug be or like mm-hmm. that I that I feel like um, I haven't felt as connected as I want to feel mm-hmm. and that's interesting because I have this I always have this I have this idea that. Everything is spiritual, everything, right? But I do think that sometimes I'll speak for myself, but I do think this is also part of the path is that we forget and mm-hmm. then we come back and we forget and we come back. And that's very much like a Buddhist thing that we talk about that all the time. Like the lesson oftentimes is in the return. And it's just something I've been sort of thinking about. I don't really know if I have anything specific that I want to say but I also just think it'd be interesting to hear a little bit (laughs) about your experience with that
0: as well yeah I really resonate with that because um, I think in the in the past couple months I've been like seeing myself operate on linear time a lot right yes, exactly. and like logistically like I'm 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 planning a move I don't know where yet I don't know when yet <laughs> but my mind is like we're moving yeah um, and then the other half means like just surrender and trust the process and it will show up in the right time and I'm like my mind's like but we need to figure it out we need to like what moving company are we going to use and it's like it's this dance between wanting to operate very linearly but then this other party that's like no this is not this is not how we be in the world we're multi-dimensional things are t- being taken care for us in other realms in other ways so that's a beautiful I would love to dive into that that okay, would be great. really amazing
1: great okay oh I'm so excited about what you just said because I can relate to all of that so so much
0: yeah yeah um so let's just let's dive in I'm gonna ask you uh, a few warm-up questions Let's dive in. So I always like to start off by asking people, what is their sun, moon, and rising?
1: Oh, that's interesting because you would think that I would know because (laughs) since I've read so many charts and I've even spoken to people on my own podcast about this. So my sun is Capricorn. I think my moon is Aquarius and I cannot remember my rising.
0: (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. So your sun is Capricorn, your moon is Aquarius. That's really interesting because I'm a Sun is Aquarius, my moon is Capricorn. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Do
1: you find that there, that there, you feel the contrast within you?
0: Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I happen to have a lot of Capricorn, five planets in Capricorn. Yes. I and love that. I am like always, and I have a Pisces North Node mm-hmm. and a, a Scorpio in the 12th house. Mm-hmm. So I'm like dancing between the non-physical and physical all the time. And it's like this constant pool. Mm -hmm. We're human. We got to be in the human realm. But then there's like, no, there's more to us. And we want to explore like higher realms. It's Mm -hmm. this, it's, they're kind of at odds with each other. Okay,
1: girl, I (laughs) I can relate so much. And I think I feel like oftentimes my path is about learning how to merge these two things so that they don't feel like they're at odds with each other, but how they can actually complement one another. And mm-hmm. I more and more have been leaning more into like, oh, that's a gift of mine because I'm i I'm the same way. I'm I can be so practical, so logical, and also so metaphysical, so nonlinear, not, you know, living for my intellectual mind at all. And in the past it felt like I would get frustrated because I'm like, why, why, you know, like I, why, why do they have to be in such conflict? But I actually think when utilized, it can be a gift.
0: Well, how did you come to that place of like having these very two distinct, like, let's just say archetypal energies that play within you yeah. and seeing, like, did you ever go one, two, one, one way more than the other? And how did you find that balance? That's such a good question,
1: um I definitely think I've lived the majority of my like first half of my life very much in my logical linear three d way just because of i didn't i didn't know any better that was like my conditioning, and what the world told me was um I was sort of praised for that like oh these are these are really good skills, et cetera, et cetera um and at first, like with all. Moments of awakening when you start to realize, like, oh, I don't have to do it that way, and actually, I can listen to myself above all else. And there's a different way to do things that actually feels more uh, that makes more sense to me, actually, than just the logical way. Um, That was difficult at first until I started getting feedback. I think from people around me who I trusted, or even clients who were like, "I actually, you, this is what you do really well. You take the etheric." and earth and you like mesh them together but sometimes and i i wonder if you can relate to this when we do something well we don't see it because we just naturally do it until true else is like oh you do this thing that i would have never been able to do on my own it really sort of empowered me Mm -hmm. um but i i'm glad that you brought up archetypes that's really funny one archetype that i really got into was albert einstein because he's such a wonderful example of someone who's based in methodical measurements and science and, um, you know, quote, unquote, logical and simultaneously has the capacity to understand the, or to to have the humility to say that he doesn't understand the unknowable and it's Mm -hmm. all possible. And he has this very sort of like, you know, a theoric part of him as well. And I was like, he is a wonderful archetype. So I like read his biography and was really sort of inspired
0: by that. That's so funny you say that because I read his biography too many, (laughs) many years ago. I'm fascinated by people who are, quote unquote, they're spiritual, but they're like not spiritual.
1: right. Yeah, and that, that's exactly how I feel like he 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 was. He's totally again very anti religion, but also would speak so deeply about you know the cosmos and things that like we couldn't understand.
0: Yeah. So um,
1: that's so funny that you read his book too, because I, <laughs> um, I guess apparently some part of you was drawn to that.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because like I always tell people like I have a I have a suit of being a regular human being, do my regular thing. But like, when you come into my world and open my mouth, it's like, oh, this girl is spiritual. And I kind of love that, like, like I'm like in disguise a bit mm-hmm. and I live in Boulder, which is like, like the seeking capital right now. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's really funny to witness that. Cause I get people just kind of like, oh, she must be not spiritual or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I love, like, I have such a human, I love the human experience so much.
1: Yeah. Well. Cool because I do actually believe that ultimately all of the spiritual experience comes through being a human. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So, but and to, to go back to Einstein, like I also love, I feel like there's never been a scientist who I haven't really sort of, you know, researched a little bit who wasn't also like, Oh, but at the end of the day, all science tells me is that I know nothing. Like, yes. that. Scientists like that, they, they get it. They understand that the more you know, the less you know.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, what words would you use to describe yourself? Um,
1: I would say playful and also serious. <laughs> it's a Capricorn. Um, <laughs> yes, exactly. I would say there's a part of me that's very open and free and um a perpetual seeker. That's beautiful. (laughs) Thank
0: you. Let's talk about your journey. What what has let's just say what was your initiation? What was your catalyst for your awakening, for your eyes opening, for you to being like I'm gonna I'm going to heal. I'm going to do things differently. Like, I think the word that comes to my mind is, for me, it was, there's, there's a different way. There has to be a different way of doing things. What is, what is the meaning? Have you always been uh, a truth seeker? Have you always been someone who's been a deep thinker, contemplative? Did you feel like you were at some point going to wake up? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. So I think there were different moments in my life in my journey that have been milestones to my path. And one of them was definitely just the family that I was born into. Um, at a young age, like many, so many people who I think ultimately maybe turned towards spirituality. I just grew up with a lot of trauma. My mother was very sick and when I, and you know, and still is and was an alcoholic and I grew up in a pretty violent household. So all of those things, um, Definitely shaped me to be a very sensitive and also curious and inward person. I spent a lot of time alone. So that was just like the foundation of building my personality. And then um, I would say, but in terms of like more profound moments of awakening, I definitely had a, you know, a Saturn's return in my like, you know, late 20s where I. what I've read about Saturn's return is that things happen in like successions of three. And that definitely happened to me. I had my partner at the time who I was like madly in love with. He ended up cheating on me with my friend. I got attacked in my home uh, that I was living in, in Brooklyn, New York by someone who was robbing our apartment. And I like (laughs) got confrontational with him and that was just dumb. And then I had bed bugs, which is also a big New York problem. And, um, those three things happening simultaneously, then also having to question like my friend group really awakened me to be like, okay, first of all, I haven't been living um a life that I feel like is an integrity. I wasn't surrounding myself with people who I really want to surround myself with. How did I, how did I get here? But then also just like not feeling safe in my own apartment and not comfortable. I was like really depressed. And I also have a propensity to lean towards, I would say, depression. And so and that that's also nothing new. But it was in that low moment, which I think happens for so many of us, that we finally say, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> and you throw your hands up in the air, and you finally say, It it is that down on your knees moment that I think I you read about in, in books so often. And that's exactly yeah. what it was. I was like, I'm such a cliche. <laughs> I'm like I'm a cliche down on my knees, like on the bathroom floor, asking God. help and it was such a liberating moment that moment of being like oh i'm glad that i can say that i don't know what i'm doing when i would think i was pretending to know what i was doing for so long um and that really was a moment of awakening where i i would start to make big changes in my life and then since then though it's just been it's been non-stop i would say ongoing for 10 12 years um but when I think of like life-changing things, it definitely was like having a lot to do with my family and my upbringing. And then also that sort of moment in my 20s where I was like humbled to my knees, essentially.
0: It's so interesting. Your story is so similar to mine, like so similar to mine. <laughs> yeah. The hands and knees moment in the bathroom. Yeah. I already, well, because
1: I listened to your podcast, I already just, when I listen, I'm like, oh, we have a lot of similarities. I think there's, yeah, I, I was anticipating that
0: wow so what was what was I want to know like what was that revelation or that eye-opening moment for you like for me I remember it started off like it, within 24 hours of that hands and knees moment for me I sent a really genuine prayer out to the universe mm-hmm. and mine was Louise Hayes you can heal your life book popped into my reality and it was like, all of a sudden I went from this timeline to being like on a, comp- it's like I, 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 I parallel reality jumped. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Was something like that happened to you? Um,
1: actually, so before I answer that, I'm kind of, I want to hear more about your experience. When you say you parallel reality jumped, what do you mean by that?
0: So coming from trauma, lots of abuse, the the, the immigrant parents, we have a very similar story into that and i kind of living like i have a t- tendency to be very depressive as well melancholy very like victim identity things like that and so that was like up like uh, up until like 22 i lived like that way very suicidal depressed mm-hmm. very alone spending a lot of time alone being inward um and then all of a sudden i had this hands and knees moment because i couldn't take i couldn't take the weight of being human mm-hmm. And uh, just having all these people around me who were unsupportive and really toxic and abusive and mean, and, you know, my own family being that part of that as well. And I remember like having that hands and knees moment. And like, I don't know if it has happened to me, but like a portal, it felt like a portal opened up for me, like as if like all the pain, all the suffering just opened like this like portal, and I was able to walk through, it, and I chose to walk through it. Mm-hmm. And I remember waking up the next day and like uh, finding a girl on YouTube, and she's saying, "She's saying, Louise, hey, you can heal your life." I looked at it, and I had like this is like the splenic authority working. I had like shivers go down my spine, mm-hmm. and something within me was like, "You need to go to Barnes and Nobles right now because this is way before where we are today in technology." Yeah. You get the book, and I'm reading this book, and I literally felt like. My life is going, my life changed forever. Like the trajectory of my life changed. I can't describe it because it felt, it was like such an energetic
1: Mm
0: -hmm. shift that happened within me. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So it sounds, yeah, definitely sounds (laughs) like a, almost like a line drawn in time or something. When you went from one way to being the other, where I would say for me, so actually funny enough, I also had a book that came into my life and that was Marianne Williamson's um, A Return to Love, which, was also definitely like, like one of those books that, you know, changed, changed my life. When people talk about books that changed my life, change your life, that was one of them for me. But I will say for me, and maybe you have this experience too, but it was like hard one, meaning I read that book, but it wasn't an immediate shift. It was like, I had to struggle. I struggled and I had to put in the work and it mm-hmm. felt, and I felt inspired. Yes but I also felt desperate. <laughs> yes. so it like, so I would say it wasn't like an overnight thing. It was really like, you know, a a year or two of recultivating my life that then ultimately, as you know, you follow the breadcrumbs. One thing leads to another, then leads to another, then leads to another. And I would say that that journey continues to go on
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting because life actually got worse than before it got better it's like I went to the bottom after that mm-hmm. moment mm-hmm. but there was this deep I don't know if you resonate but there was just like this deep curiosity to learn to yeah. grow to make meaning of everything and be like okay well, like you know now I look back at it but I think what was that what was what I was actually thinking is why did this all happen for mm-hmm. me and not to me yeah. And I was so curious about unraveling that and it, it, it helped me to see how this was all part of my path, but not in like a, you're here to be punished and, you know, God yeah. hates you. It was like, this helped me. I don't know. It helped me. It helped me come back to myself Mm-hmm. I can say this years later it through that process it was very not that right, way at all right. it was like so alone so dark so heavy
1: mm-hmm. yeah oh I, I mean i completely relate to what you're saying about how it's not you're know, being punished it's that when there's trust anyway you can see that it it's ha- it's almost like you're being held in love not mm-hmm. in this uh you know i don't really believe in like you know like devil like god and the devil but it's not I think sometimes people can get caught up in this idea of like there's evil out there and you're here to be like punished and that can be like really a scary hole to go down (laughs) but uh in yes I would agree like in all this time and even with my like upbringing and the trauma and the abuse and all those things I think and I do also think this is just part of my personality I like to make meaning out of things and so and I attribute that also very much to growing up with like a mother who was sick. I was always asking why, like why, why is she like this? Why is our family like this? Like why? I'm so inquisitive. Like I need, I need to make sense of things. So, but for me, I find that to be very helpful.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: the sense of things is helpful for my type of personality. And when I put it all together, I can't help but make it mean that there's a grander plan. And something greater than us that knows exactly what it's doing. Mm-hmm. Which so is why all the puzzle, be, like nature, like when you look at nature, and you, I know you love nature, so like you get this. Like you, you look at the way things are coordinated and how everything is, supports everything. So like there's no that can't be a mistake. Six, That's no exactly right. There's like a completely organic, natural pattern and rhythm too all of that
0: Mm. and it's perfect Mm. this makes me want to ask you the question is how did you come back into a relationship with source because i i don't know about you but i had felt like i was betrayed or abandoned for a long period of my life so
1: i do i do hear that story a lot um especially people who maybe grew up with religion um but I never felt, well, actually, I really need to think about that. That's not part of what I remember about being abandoned. I grew up in a household that was so not religious. Like even to this day, I don't know when people make references to the Bible, I just don't understand them because I had never had an upbringing where religion was, it was just a non-issue in our house. So I never felt like I was abandoned by God because there wasn't a God. So I would feel like that's kind of more where it was coming from. Um, and yeah, this is going to sound, I can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth because it's going to sound so cheesy. But like, there is that one biblical thing where people say that are like, oh, you know that when you were walking in the sand, okay, I'm going to butcher this, but there's this, like, this, the story about how when you were walking in the sand and there was only one set of footprints, that means that like God was actually carrying you. Do you know what I'm referring to? No, <laughs> okay, I'm not. I'm there. not very familiar with the Bible. either. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, I'm butchering. Basically my point is, is like, I wasn't aware of God or source. And then it, when I became aware of God and source, then I feel like my whole world opened up. Meaning like she was there all along. I just wasn't paying attention and had, you know, don't, you don't see what you're not looking for
0: essentially. What was that moment where you became aware, going from a world where you didn't really know God to knowing God?
1: Um, I would say after reading that book, A
0: Return to
1: Love, by Marianne Williamson. I mean, she talks about God very, very forth in a forthright way, and it it was like a switch that kind of turned on. She was just like, God is everywhere and all things. And I just, and I, I guess from there, I started paying attention and that's when you start seeing like the synchronicities. That's when things start happening that, um, just feel like more than coincidence. And I honestly believe it's just a shift in consciousness sometimes, because it's that shift in consciousness that will make the difference between, Oh, does this mean something? Or does this not mean anything at all? And, I say that as it's a good thing because I think it's a personal choice. I think that, and I feel empowered when I say that, like I have a personal choice to decide if this is something that's going to, that I'm going to put meaning behind. And when I do that, then I'm like, God is
0: everywhere. Hmm. I love that you said it as a choice. Um... I heard a teacher once say in a yoga class many, many years ago, and I grew up from a very religious family, mm-hmm. Hindu tradition, very religious. And I've always, you know, not rejected it, but it never was, it didn't make sense to me why we did what we did. Mm-hmm. And there was, you know, the concept of God is very fearing. A lot mm-hmm. of religions teach it that way. But I had a teacher once say to me, is God is an experience. Mm-hmm. And like you, like you just said, that just shifted my consciousness from now it had a complete new meaning for me. And then I realized those moments where I got go out into nature and I like I cry at trees because it's just, there's something there. And I was like, this is the experience of God. I'm having an experience of God right now. Mm-hmm. And like what you, when you start looking for it, you see it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, has there been any, like moment where you felt this complete love this complete support this complete knowing of of the absolute of oneness mm. oh my goodness yes
1: yeah, so i feel like as you're asking me these questions these really great questions it's making me very um i'm being very like i'm coming back into a very thoughtful mindset and You know, I say that that book was the thing that sort of set me on my journey, but I don't feel like that's completely accurate because I I do also know that as a child, even though I wasn't religious, I can remember, you know, those early memories that you have when you're still quite young, but just little things where I remembered living as if, because I knew that there was magic in the world. Just, just being a child. And there was magic. It wasn't something that I questioned. It was just like, okay, this is the, how the world is. It's lovely. And and when I got back to spirituality, it reminded me of those those past experiences that I had as a child that I had just forgotten. And so that connected those things back together. I was like, it was like, I awakened, but then it also reminded me that like, this wasn't new to me. I've had these experiences before as a child. Um, And so that was helpful <laughs> and the other thing that I want to share that I want to be careful about because I don't want to make it seem like I'm like that like you have to have these experiences to, to um to to you know have the experience of God but I also experimented a lot with drugs when I was younger and um but you know plant medicine that was never a recreational thing for me. Never. Like even when I was young, it always felt like such a profound life altering learning experience. It was never like, I partied a lot when I was younger and I, but with, even with plant medicine, it was never like, I'm going to go out and go get fucked up. It was like, it (laughs) it was too sacred. You know, you have that Mm -hmm. experience and it's so sacred. So again, when I like, you know, connect all the dots, those things also helped. And so your question is kind of like, when did I begin to know God? I also think once I re-remembered God in my twenties, it also reminded me of these very profound experiences that I had prior to that, in which I was literally taken into other dimensions or my consciousness just completely opened up. And I will, I will say for sure, I know that my like view of the world was forever altered after mm. I you know had those experiences but I think yeah and again I feel like I'm pointing out many disparate things because I think it really has been a journey in, and not necessarily specific like hardcore moments that um, changed everything
0: <laughs> yeah that makes total sense what since I love that you said you like to give meaning to things and when you give meaning to things it really opens up for you so what meaning have you given to suffering <laughs> having experienced a lot of suffering yourself
1: and uh, damn girl be- you are
0: definitely a projector like the questions <laughs> that you ask
1: <laughs> ask is like go right to the core oh, yeah no
0: yeah. small talk here yeah, I love it
1: <laughs> oh my god um this question like gives me chills. So what meaning have I given, have I given, um, what meaning do I put behind suffering? Is that your yeah. question? Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's a couple of things. I think the, the simple one is that our suffering teaches us how to transcend suffering. And it really is that simple. Like, every moment is an opportunity for awakening. So every moment of suffering, like if and every moment of suffering means that there's peace on the other side of that, like they're, they're going to exist in tandem, right? So like once suffering is created, there's an opportunity for peace. If we can learn how to transcend that suffering or move through it or heal the suffering or grow from it, then we get to this moment of peace. Then to me, I'm like, well, obviously, the meaning behind that is we're being given an opportunity to learn how to transcend suffering. And if we can transcend suffering, I believe that's what we're all here to do. That's what we've like been sent here to learn how to do our soul wants, craves in a human experience, but ultimately it also wants to evolve to higher States and higher forms of being. So it's all here again, like you said, it's here for us. And I think that's a very simplified like obvious answer, because I think any self-help book will tell you that, right? Like your obstacles are your teachers, blah, blah, blah. But more so recently, I've been really thinking about um, things that I have been initiated into, (laughs) you know, like your soul comes here and chooses this life to learn these lessons specifically for a reason, and now that I'm 37 at this, you know, I w- none of this would have made sense to me in my twenties, but like at 37, I can say, you have a little bit more hindsight. So you can put things together, together more, a little bit more easily. And you can say, Oh, I, um, have learned about this so I can, <sighs> not everyone's going to choose this path, but you do something with that. You do you do something with the thing that your life has, your soul has chosen that you've been initiated into.
0: Yeah. I really love your answer. I think of duality, Mm -hmm. right. Um, You can't, I was just writing in my journal this morning is I love, I appreciate having a cold smoothie on a hot day, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right. It's like the cold and you can't appreciate the warmth without the cold. And I feel suffering, is like this dualistic initiation that we have, and I love that you said that there is if there is suffering, there is also peace. It's 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 not one or the other. There, mm-hmm. they exist. Yeah, they exist in uh, tandem, in, like in tandem with each other. Anything, yeah. yeah, and and that seeing it as an initiation more than as a victim. So I want to ask is what happens if we go into victim response with suffering, you know, it's like, Oh, life's just done. So So unfair. Why does this keep happening to me or this sucks? And we, and we, and we give it that meaning. Mm -hmm.
1: Oh, that's such a good question. I think it ultimately, I think there's like, it's subjective, like subjective, like there's two ways to go about this. When I get into victim consciousness, um, I think honestly, sometimes the most helpful thing that I can do is I have to, I, it's compassion. It's like, you have to have, I have to have softness and kindness. And if I'm feeling like a victim, generally what I probably need is like a hug and I need, and I'm feeling vulnerable and I'm feeling frustrated and lost. And I need just all of the kindness and self love possible that I can muster because that's the only thing that's going to like get me out of like victim consciousness because even whenever I get in victim consciousness like the surface feeling is like anger resentment I'm pissed off blah, blah blah but underneath that is just fear it's fear and it's hurt and it's like a crying little girl and she's like super upset and so I the only way out of that I think is compassion um And then compassion, I think gives me the energy that I need to come back to remember that I am the creator of my reality. Mm. Like that is ultimately like the most, it's a hard thing, but that that is the whole game. Like it's, it's, do you believe that you are the creator of your reality? Yes, yes or no. The thing is when you say that to someone who's in victim consciousness, that can easily piss them off. Right. And so that's why I think compassion is actually like the first step. It's like I want to say to everyone, you are the creator of reality. That, that's just, that, that is, that's true. You're the creator of your reality, but I want to be sensitive to where that person is at because I also understand like, if I'm feeling vulnerable and someone's just like, oh, well, Eva, you are, you the creator, like you you make everything happen. I would just be like, you know, screw <laughs> screw you. I'd be really frustrated. So I think you need a
0: little bit of both. Like oh, I did this to myself. Yeah, it's oh, like it it can reinforce the victim.
1: Yeah, it can be really dangerous. I think when someone's like, this is why I think. Um, are you familiar with Byron Katie at all?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so I, really I love, love her. Byron. I love her work. I love, love her work. work too, and she's had a big influence in my life. And um, but I'll, and her. So for listeners who aren't familiar, a lot of her work is about like questioning your own thoughts and investigating and, and she, and it's the questions that she asks are totally innocent, but sometimes they get misconstrued and people come back and they attack her and they go, well, basically you're saying it was my fault that I was sexually abused, that you're saying it's my fault that I was, well, and that's not, I don't think actually what she's saying. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, you're the creator of your reality. You're not. It's not your fault that these things happen, but ultimately at the end of the day, it's still your responsibility. How you respond is your responsibility because that's the only thing you have control over. You don't have control over 98% of your life. You have control over how you respond. And that's it. And if you, if you feel like you don't have that, then, um,
0: you will be kind of screwed. <laughs> I love that you said responsibility, because I was what I was thinking was, is in order for you to actually shift from being a victim, there's a level of responsibility that needs to be taken mm-hmm. yeah. to choose the new meaning, yeah. the new path or what, why this was, why, why this was serving you. And until that responsibility is not taken, it's like, you're, you're like locked into that identity, into that state, into that consciousness, into that frequency. Mm-hmm, yeah. How stuck, we- you like,
1: really like, can't get out of it. But you—but when I say responsibility, I mean that in a very empowering way, mm-hmm. like, thank God, sometimes when I'm in victim consciousness, and then I finally go, oh, wait, I, I can respond to this. It's so liberating, because I remember that I actually, before previously, I was feeling like I. Trapped or completely helpless. And that's a really dangerous place to be. And then when I remember that, oh, it's my responsibility, I do also have the ability, ability to respond. It's like a godsend because it's mm-hmm. at least now I have a way out.
0: Yeah, and knowing that I have a choice here. It's so important. I think that that to me has been such a big part of my own journey because I lived in victim consciousness for a big part of my life. Mm-hmm. I think, I think when you go through like I went through trauma very young. Mm-hmm. When people have treated you so poorly, so young, you just develop this notion of, you know, my story for a long time was I'm a worthless piece of shit. Mm-hmm. I have no value. Mm-hmm. So it, it 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 really lived in like this victim identity for a long time. And taking responsibility is painful because then you have to deal with all the emotions that come up. Yeah. All the anger. All the pain. Yeah. Um, how, 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 what would you say about like meeting the emotions that arise when you realize, okay, yes, what happened to me is shit, but now I have a choice on how I want to respond, what meaning I want to give this and how I'm going to move through this. Yeah. I
1: have to say, it's so hard for me not to ask you questions in return <laughs> because I feel <laughs> like you're saying all these juicy things. And I just want them to be like, so can I, can I actually interrupt? Yeah. Speech? Yeah. So as someone who, you know, you said you, that was your story for a long time, victim consciousness. So what was it that really changed for you or how did, what things helped you shift
0: that state of being? I would say it was meeting my husband. So I met him when I was 21 and I would say 21, 22 were like the dark night of the soul hands and knees moment. I call it my divine storm and i met somebody who showed me love i'd never seen before like which was that like pure love um, and an unconditional love yeah. and i that gave me so much strength because for 21 years of my life i felt really alone really neglected abandoned and you know i felt like trash like i was just trash just sitting on the side of the road and then you meet somebody who's just like loving you for you. Mm-hmm. And and I think also the hands and knees moment along with like, it was so divinely orchestrated where I met my husband then and I had my awakening, let's just say it mm-hmm. the same exact time and have, and going through this process of healing and unraveling everything with somebody who is such a strong example of what embodying unconditional love for me was mm-hmm. It, it really like it was like that shift in perspective happened mm-hmm. like oh well all of a sudden I went from people treating me like garbage to someone treating me like I am perfect beautiful perfect yeah. it was like my mind was like what <laughs> yeah. and I hadn't done anything differently yeah you know what I mean I hadn't achieved or gained anything I was just still me with all my mm-hmm. issues all my problems all my story or whatever it was just kind of like wait, how is this possible? That really, really made me think very differently.
1: Yeah. Okay. So it made you feel differently, but then what happened when all like the, like you were talking about being a victim that, I mean, essentially it's the same question you're asking me. It's like, it's hard to take responsibility sometimes because then it's painful. Um. So how did you navigate that? Or was it, Was it painful?
0: Like were you? Yeah, yeah. -hmm. yeah, It was a lot of anger. You know, I had a lot of anger and resentment towards my parents because I felt like I didn't have the childhood that my, I saw my husband Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. have—stable, loving, Mm -hmm. nurturing parents. Except, you know, I had this all every type of abuse. You name it, happened. Mm -hmm. A lot of anger, a lot of resentment, and I felt very like this is where the betrayal from God came in. It's Mm -hmm. like if, like is this why I came to earth? Like what? Yeah. What's the point? And then I was kind of jealous of me, like why all these other people have all these amazing experiences. And I'm here, I am at 21. My life is falling apart and everyone else's life is taking off because I just graduated college and like, what? Like that, I felt so uh, abandoned, but it was very similar to the experience of abandonment, abandonment abandonment I had felt early in my life Mm -hmm. so I I would say stayed in that state for a long time and continuing to just reiterate okay I'm a worthless piece of shit I'm a worthless piece of shit and I think it got to the point where you know how you get so fed up with yourself
1: (laughs) yes I do I know that very well
0: and and every and it's like you know this is where I was like really like 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 learning about self-love and Mm self-compassion and being the divine mother to yourself and being the divine father and like awakening the divine mother and divine, divine father within you. Mm -hmm. And I think I got so tired of being so angry Mm -hmm, and I got so tired of being so resentful. And I got so tired of being like a victim. And I just realized like, if I, if anything's ever going to change, it's going to happen. I'm going to have to be the one to do it. Mm-hmm. Like I can sit here and wait for mom or dad to forgive me or for this person to show up and say, I'm, you know, full of worth or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think I got so tired of my own suffering and misery. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. 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 I,
0: yes, 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 yes to all of that. And I know exactly what
1: you're referring to. And it kind of calls back to what we were saying earlier is like, <laughs> suffering is a really great teacher, but it's also sometimes the push that we need to finally just like make a change. Um, And I would also say uh, it's yeah, I think suffering is a push that we need, but this whole idea of getting sick of yourself is so funny because yeah, that's it. Sometimes I think you hear a lot of like rock bottom stories as well. So my partner, he's in AA, he's been sober for like nine years now, but that is oftentimes the catalyst for change when people finally are willing to get sober is because they hit a point where it's a rock bottom, which is not dissimilar to just being so tired of your own shit that you're just like, I can't take it anymore. And so you are, you are forced into change kind of, and that sometimes is a gift.
0: Mm-hmm. It's painful, but it truly is a blessing. Yeah. 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 Um. Yes, I took us off on a tangent a little bit. I did. We did go on a tangent there. Um, How do you, this is really interesting. I want to ask you is what, because it's going to just end up being an episode on meanings for some reason. What (laughs) meaning have you given fear, which is such a part of the human experience? Mm -hmm. And what is your relationship with fear like? Oh my
1: goodness. No one's ever asked me this question before. Um, what is my relationship with fear? Mm, I don't, I mean, it's so funny because fear is a prevalent thing in my life. And what I mean by that is it's a really helpful barometer, I think, for me to see whenever I'm off my path, which could be a thousand times a day or it could just be like, you know, like, um, or or one bigger moment. But what I mean by that is the survival, you know, monkey brain, the lizard brain that we have is geared to run on fear in order for us to feel, in order for us to survive. And so I basically notice every time I'm feeling fear and I notice how it is the number one inhibitor of like all peace and calm and love and good things in my life. And so it's helpful because I say every time that I notice I'm feeling fear, I'm just like, that's not the truth of my reality. Mm-hmm. So very early on, I was able to know the notice the difference between love and fear. I feel like fear really is the root. I mean, as you've probably heard this before, you know, the opposite of love isn't hate; it's fear. Like fear is literally the root of all of our suffering all of it Mm -hmm. it's you know it's the umbrella term for shame and for guilt and for jealousy and for inadequacy blah blah blah. and being aware of the own fear in my body and in my experience is actually again the greatest teacher because it helps me course correct every time to know that no I need to choose love over fear every time I need to choose love over fear so um I'm very aware of fear in my life because I essentially use it as a check, (laughs) as a check Mm -hmm. for basically how I'm living in every moment. And I do notice that because I think of trauma, um, fear is something that I'm just like intimately familiar with, like in my body, it's that that tightness or the squeeze or even tension, like Mm -hmm. tension is also just, coming from fear. Even if you're worried about something as banal as like not getting something to do on your, not getting something done on your to-do list, that's you having a fear that like you're not using your time wisely or something. Um, So I don't know if I'd really like almost want to think about this question more because I think it's such a beautiful, big question. Um, But to start, I guess I would just say again, it is the greatest teacher then um, I guess that yeah I don't know that's that, that that's I guess what I got
0: <laughs> it, it, what comes to my mind is for me fear has been a teacher of alignment for me alignment mm. to myself and alignment to source that's but a much more uh,
1: <laughs> succinct way of putting it yes
0: I'm always curious because my relationship with fear has been so so prevalent but it's interesting because fear of my own inadequacy Mm-hmm. Is how it's been. I would say it's been activated in me and myself and my self esteem. Like mm-hmm. the fear of I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you? Do you like how? Have you struggled with that? What do you have to say
1: about that? I my biggest. I, I know that well, but I actually feel like my ongoing need. I notice a lot is safety. Like that's my main theme in life that I notice is that ultimately this harkens back to again, like just being a child, but it's almost like it's, it's like ingrained in my body. I'm just looking to be safe. And, um, whenever I feel out of alignment, it's because my brain is falsely telling me that I'm not safe. Like I'm mm. like something, something's wrong, like blah, blah, blah. And, um, And I think that's why my spiritual practice is so important to me because it's really taught me that reality is always much more kind than what my mind tells me. That's beautiful that you say that. Yeah. And that's like, it's a constant practice, but it's one of those things that's like, Oh, like, cause it's so funny. Like, it sounds like a paradox, which it is, but reality actually is very spiritual, like true reality. Like what is really reality? And what I have found when I investigate again, is that actually in the present moment, I am always safe, always. And it's this, it's almost like reality is so kind because it's just room for everything. And it's not rejecting anything. It's just what is, And I'm usually in, when I'm in the present moment, which is also the same thing as reality, I actually am safe. It's my mind, which is not who I am, which is oftentimes makes me feel disconnected actually from who I am and my body in the present moment. That's the thing that's telling me like a danger, danger, danger. So it's like a constant, beautiful, wonderful practice of like coming back to the now, coming back Mm -hmm. to my body, coming back to my feelings, coming back to, um, like those things, which are much more real than mm-hmm. the story and the imagination of the mind.
0: So what do you do when you're actually feeling the fear in your body? And it's like, you know, like you said, squeezing you. Oh, I like
1: feel it. Mm-hmm. I like, I mean, that's, this is, this is also, I feel so fortunate to have come into this practice because I, I worked with a teacher who really helped me navigate through this, but this idea of like, it's common, more commonplace now, but I remember when I first learned it, I was like, oh, this is revolutionary. Why don't they teach this to you in school? Because this sounds like this should just be like a 101 basic human skill set. But whatever we resist persists, right? Like that's, we know that. And so you have to learn how to be with the, like the solution isn't to make it go away. The solution is to like learn how to be with the experience of fear. And like knowing where that is in your body, feeling and almost like letting it in completely, letting it in so that you're not fighting it anymore. And the minute that you let, let it in, it dissipates.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I mean, that's a very somatic experience that I take myself through. And there's, you know, there's different things. You can also do thought work, you can do mindset work and like all of those things are helpful. And again, I think it's all subjective, but depending on what you need in the moment. But I think the most profound thing is, again, it's, it's the same thing that I said earlier. You're being with reality. If Mm -hmm. your reality in this moment is actually like, you may not have the threat of a tiger trying to eat you, but your reality is that you do feel scared. So if you do feel scared, isn't it the most kind and loving thing that you can do for yourself to actually make room for that fear and to be with that fear? Like there's Mm -hmm. nothing more compassionate and, um, like what's that word um undevotional love than to just be with your experience and then what you find is oftentimes that's like the very thing that you need to like have it pass
0: mm-hmm. yeah it
1: can be so profound
0: yeah i often find that it has messages for me oh i love that yes yes right yeah mhm yeah once you or once you're
1: once you're with the experience it's gonna tell you what's really going on,
0: yeah and it's some 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 form of something back in time usually mm-hmm. yeah. and it's like then I think what ha- helps has helped me is coming into compassionate dialogue with myself and like mm-hmm. kind of the coming into the mothering experience of like mm-hmm. you're safe, you're fine, like I got your back that's yeah. been really helpful for me um,
1: yeah I think there's like different. To, there's so many tools out there, right? And it's just about
0: cultivating the ones that work for you in that moment. <laughs> so what do you do? What are, Do you have any alignment practices? And I know like you are taking a meditation course with Tara Bark, mm-hmm. Tara? Brock. Brock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually looked into that course, but it was too late.
1: <laughs> there's, well, it happens every two years. So um, there's always... Yeah, when I when I the same thing happened to me, I looked into it and then I missed it the first time and I was actually really sad about it. So and I just signed on the next time. So two years goes by
0: really quickly. <laughs> It'll be so, around again. What so like what is your meditation practice? Like what talk a bit about that. Um hmm. so
1: I actually really love where my meditation practice is right now because um when I started, I was in a phase in my life where I was, you know, living in New York City and I was really, really anxious. And I still had a lot lots of this like masculine energy where I would have the tendency to, when I got into something, I would go all in and I would just be like obsessed. And I would, you know, like I was like, I'm going to meditate every single day for 60 days. And I'd like, there was a little bit of rigidity around it. At the time though, it was actually quite helpful. And also it was a beautiful practice. So it didn't actually feel like it was bad, but like that actually really helped me just um, being disciplined and being like, I'm just going to commit to this. And then that took me on this whole journey of then going into you know, longer retreats and et cetera, et cetera. And I did that for basically three years. I, I meditated every day for three years, never really missing meditation because it was just such a p- part of my life maybe even four years, I don't know, going to like a lot of like long silent retreats. And now I think because I'm just much more comfortable with myself and I'm not so much in masculine energy, I think I've found a much healthier balance between also just living in flow. It's funny, I teach people how to meditate and Mm -hmm. at the same time, I'm much more in a place of like, it doesn't have to be this dogmatic thing. You you know, and we so we both have worked with Pilar Lesko before and we've heard her say stuff about like the fixing loop. Like you, you, you want to make sure that you don't get into doing something that you're so tied to the practice that it actually becomes more of a, like a transactional thing or like a burden than anything else. So now- It's like, it's like the doing to get kind of syndrome. Yeah, totally. So- now I still meditate regularly but it's I think the difference is maybe because I've had this practice now I trust myself enough to know that I can meditate when I want to and then I won't meditate (laughs) when I don't want to and and it's really really nice Mm -hmm. but I will say I do notice when I don't meditate for a long time there's a noticeable difference. difference like yeah like I you know just finished this move that I was doing to Portland and my whole schedule and routine was you know not there because I was also traveling cross country, et cetera. and so I didn't really meditate. Um, and I just felt a little bit more ungrounded, not as like centered. Um, so I, it is like medicine for me essentially when I do it. It's just like everything, becomes easy
0: and just makes sense again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I resonate with that. I definitely go through ins and outs of, ins and outs with it a lot, but like you, it was like very rigid in the beginning,
1: but yeah. it was helpful, you know? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So yeah, if it works, for, if it works, then it works.
0: Something you said that I really, I wanted to dive into a bit is the fixing loop. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I don't know if you noticed this, but like the whole like coaching cell development world, you know, there's like this constant, like we gotta be constantly doing constantly working on ourselves, like constantly fixing and constantly be looking at everything. <laughs> what do you have to say about that? <laughs> um
1: yes. So it's interesting. Um, okay, well, what I'll say about this is I'll just kind of keep it simple because I've thought a lot about this, but it's like, what in you, what in you and, and who are you in that moment that like needs to do that? Because I think ultimately that's going to show you where it's coming from. Like it's never the thing that we're doing, but the consciousness behind how we are doing something, right? So if you're doing that from a place, the pure love and joy and passion and spontaneity, like great. Um, but who in you is doing? Oftentimes, when we get into like a very intense personal development, like basically, I need to fix myself to death. Experience, which I've also had. I've been like, okay, I'm I'm, I'm so into personal development. I'm just gonna like fix myself to death. Blah blah. blah. It's because you think you're broken. <laughs> like you just have to be conscious and aware of like what's your intention behind this? Is there a, is it fear-based, you know? Is it lack-based? Um, mm-hmm.
0: Controlling.
1: Controlling. Because the thing that's so funny is like, you could have someone, you could have someone reading 10 self-help books. You could have two people doing the same thing. They're both reading 10 self-help books at the same time. They're both taking two online courses and they're both, uh, you know, exercising five days a week and meditating five days a week or whatever, whatever. They both have these very sort of in- very full self-help schedules, but they could be doing them very differently. One person could be doing it from a complete place of joy and just like so much fun. And this is like the highest expression of themselves. And also if they, you know, don't do it, maybe they're not going to like beat themselves up about it. And then you have the other person who's like, there's actually a ton of suffering around it. And they're doing this because and this happens actually sometimes when I work with clients they're like oh I didn't meditate for a day and they get like really down on themselves and I'm like yeah like that's that's not it mm-hmm. that's not it so it's again never how you're it's not like what you're doing but like how you're doing you're doing it
0: yeah. yeah it's like are you doing it because I have to and this is what it means to be spiritual yeah I, I I'll add that um I've heard people say that a lot too. And here's, here's, I want to ask you is like, where is that fine balance or fine dance between being human mm-hmm. and enjoying the human, like your Netflix shows and, you know, it, going out to eat and I don't know, just doing like human stuff, like having a normal human conversation about <laughs> the Euro cup. Cause it's happening yeah. right now. Yeah, uh-huh. And versus like your deep dive inner work, like what you're, what you're, what what you're healing right now, like where, where is that balance for you? Like, do you, are you in dance with that constantly? Hmm. Where is that
1: balance? Um, I want to say, honestly, like, okay. in an ideal situation, I would say it's all the same.
0: Meaning mm-hmm. like it's all, it's all the same. I'm so glad you said that.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it, because it's true. Kind of like we said back, I don't know if we said this before we started recording, but like you experience being spiritual through being a human. And so, and this is something that, you know, meditation teachers talk about oftentimes too. It's like you um, can experience spirituality in washing the dishes or taking out the trash. Right. Um, so it's all the same, but I will say, and I think we also talked about a little bit about this at the beginning before we started recording is this idea of what happens when you don't feel spiritual or sometimes. Yeah. What happens when you feel disconnected, right? From source. It, yeah. When you don't feel connected from source. Yeah. And it actually does start to feel separate. I don't know if I have a solution. That was more just like a thought experiment conversation that I wanted to bring to the table. Cause I'd also be really curious about what you think.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting because I, I don't find myself to be someone who's won this way or won that way. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have a meditation practice right now. And that's honest as honest gets, mm-hmm. but does it make me less connected to my path or less committed to let's say my soul's evolution in this lifetime mm-hmm. right now, the things I'm really enjoying are very human things. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it, I mean, I don't watch the Euro cup, but my husband loves soccer. So we're like, that's like conversation all the time in our house right now. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> like- <laughs> I don't know anything about soccer, but he keeps telling me yeah. about the
1: games. And I'm like, cool.
0: Yeah. And, you know, like I don't usually drink and sometimes I'll have like a cocktail or something, you know, and just watch a movie. It's like, and I think for me, it's this always this dance that I'm doing is, am I doing this because I think this is what I need to do in order for my soul to evolve and to heal and to whatever, Mm -hmm. or am I doing this because I just enjoy And this is what's, what, what I'm, what, what's active. Yeah. I was activating joy within me right now. And, Sometimes there is this judgment that I can have with myself as being like, well, if I'm not doing it, then I must mean I'm not connected to source or connected to God. Mm -hmm. And the reality of it is, is like, we can't ever lose our connection, right? Right, right. We can't ever lose that connection. And I think our awareness of it can go in and out. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that happens. And Mm -hmm. which is interesting because I've been finding myself kind of, I was telling you earlier with like wanting to move and planning a move is like operating on linear time. Mm-hmm. versus yeah. living in living in flow yeah yeah and oh, like God. that balance between like and I don't know if it's just because of my makeup and my personality with all that Capricorn that I I'm a very pragmatic and practical person to begin with mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and everything has to have some kind of practical nature to how I do things in the world and yeah. some people are not that way yeah but how have you I'm curious about curious for you is what makes you feel connected to source and like you saying that you feel disconnected even with your like two week move mm-hmm. and that living in flow versus living in linear time and that like they're kind of synergy they're kind of work off of each other a bit
1: yeah well I'm gonna be honest what you just said right now was really helpful for me because I was trying to understand like okay so I have this a couple of times I just moved from Arizona to Portland and um in that time you know I was just busy with logistical things and drive driving across country and all these things. Um, and I do. And I think what you said about really the only thing that makes a difference is your awareness of it, the awareness of. If something. Your your connection to something, which is actually really interesting, because that's also kind of what we were saying earlier, it's kind of a choice. It's a, mm-hmm. it's your consciousness. It's like the consciousness in which you you intentionally approach anything. And I think for me, what I'm noticing in this, within this move is that like, the reason I have practices is because they create a space for me to cultivate my awareness of connectivity. And then when I don't have that space, I just tend to forget a little bit and that's, Mm -hmm. that's okay. I think it's okay. I also trust myself enough now to know that I'm going to like come back to it. I'm not, you know, so that's not a problem, but just even you saying that was like, yeah, really helpful because I'm like, oh yeah, it really is just the intentionality that I can put behind things. But I do think what makes the difference is also slowing down.
0: Mm -hmm. Like it's so
1: much easier to be aware of the connectedness of all things or the divine, you know, like working of all things um, when I'm not moving so fast.
0: Mm -hmm. It's what... Yeah. Go ahead. I want to I um this is as you're speaking, something is coming to me is instead of going from having to become this, it's like I'm already this. Like I'm it's just this being state. And the being is beautiful because it's so fluid, it's so abstract. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then but
1: being aware that you're being that you're that that's that that's it, I think is also kind of like what makes <laughs> the difference, which then Kind of like brings you back to the present moment a little mm-hmm, bit too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I do think that's um, that's that's part of it. Slowing down, I think, is huge medicine. It makes it easier. But um, I think something that I find heartening is that I um, so I, I struggle with like hormone stuff, and I have like really it's interesting. Like I've I've been, I've been like studying, you know, menstruation and, and cycles and stuff like that for the past couple of years. And what I do notice is that, you know, we are cyclical beings. So we're not supposed to be in one energy wavelength forever or one mood or one. And when I start to pay attention, I see actually how cyclical I am. So there are moments where I'm like, feeling so connected like to source and I'm feeling very, I don't even know how I have the words for it, just alive and aware. And then there are other times where I'm like, I really want to do my finance.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: And like, let's think about taxes and that's kind of, and that kind of thing. And um I think life and our spiritual connection is a little bit like that too, is that sometimes we'll feel really guided and held and sometimes we'll be moving and Mm -hmm. there's going to be like practical things to take care of in that but I I do think that it's helpful um kind of like what you said you're thinking about moving and you have like logistical things to think about and you're trying to figure out maybe where that is but you're also like can I just you know invite the universe in for this or can I surrender some of this Mm. to source and so I can be guided and I think being intentional about that is helpful
0: the the image that i get is you know how there's a light and it has like a little dimmer and you can put it up and the light's like really bright or you dim it, light's pretty really low that's how i see it yeah, it's like the the awareness can go from really heightened awareness to low awareness but it's always there it's like the yeah. connection is always on yeah this makes me want to ask you a question about prayer mm-hmm yeah. What 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 meaning does prayer have in your life and like how do you how do you use prayer because I I said a prayer today being like I just said dear universe dear guides dear team relocate me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just relocate me. You know what I like? Relocate me. Oh,
1: I love that. I love that. Um I love prayer. I think there's so many different versions of it. There's very formal prayer where I will um again if I'm in the morning, having my morning routine and I will, you know, with my cup of coffee and I'm stretching or actually I don't, you know, my tea and um, there will be very formal prayers of of thank you and something that I'm asking for but I generally kind of keep things very open. And then there's also just communing with the universe which I also think is a kind of prayer in every moment. And I think it's a practice. I would say in the past couple of years partly because of the, the podcast that I run, I've had so many interesting guests come on, talk about their relationship with prayers. Like you can be in constant communion like with the smallest things, like um, like the, the littlest things, like maybe you need to buy a new cutting board for your kitchen or something. And you can literally hand every single thing up to source if you wanted to and like kind of play around that way. Mm-hmm. And I think some people really do live like that, like in seeming constant communion. And I think that sounds really fun.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And again, it's
1: like, I do that sometimes. And then sometimes I forget and then I come back again and then I forget and then I come back again. But I think prayer is such a powerful practice because I think it's like anything that brings you back to a place of ease and trust and love and hope is it's already done its job. Like, even if you don't get what it is that you're looking for your prayer, like I oftentimes my energy is just shifted through prayer. And then I believe that if my energy is shifted, it's like how I am being in the present moment is actually what creates my future. Then mm-hmm. it's art. Then the prayer has already done its
0: job. That's beautiful that you said it's who you're being in the present moment. Yeah. That creates, uh, what yes, is your more- talk about a lot I yeah Wait, <laughs> I,
1: What I, I didn't hear I didn't hear what you were saying Oh, I said you talk about this a lot you know it's about who we're being
0: oh it's yeah. so important I I I have this like energy mastery has something definitely been something that planted a seed by Pilar like working with her definitely planted the seed within me but I've noticed that the more I'm I don't know how to say it, but like full of my own energy and full of my own essence, mm-hmm. the more I just notice like life just works. It goes from this like I have to write this manifestation list or things I want to create or desires i instead of that, it's just like who am I being, who am I being, who am I being? Mm-hmm. just constantly coming coming back to that because mm-hmm. and who I be is the totality of everything, yeah. And it, it's
1: the thing that creates a ripple effect. Like you change who you be and then everything else is actually effortless.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting because last week I, I'm like looking for a couples therapist for my husband and I, mm-hmm. and I had sent an inquiry out like a couple of weeks ago and I just hadn't heard back. So I literally walked to my desk to grab my phone and there they were calling me. Mm. <laughs> right. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah.
0: And I was like, this is what, this is it. This is that being state. Well, right. Can you, In that Can you
1: talk about that being state a little bit more like what you mean by that? So
0: uh, oftentimes I feel like for me, it was always like, okay, I need to make sure like I reiterate to the universe what I want to create with my life. Mm-hmm. And like, I need to make sure that the universe and my higher self knows what I want. And, and I want to move here and I want to live here and I want to do this. And then what I realized is that like, We often do because we feel like we're something, there's something missing or we're lacking something. We're always doing to get, right? There's a game that needs to happen. And it's coming from this place of like, I'm not complete yet. I'm not whole yet. There's something lacking in me. So I'm going to go meditate or I'm going to go journal or I'm going to go hire XYZ person to help me fix this. Mm -hmm. It's always so getting based. Mm -hmm. And the realization that I had is that what if, I am already complete. What if I'm already whole? Mm -hmm. And it's the awareness, it's the embodiment, it's the resting of that is the being state. Mm -hmm. And the more I can be activated and allow myself to be in that being and move from being rather than doing, Mm -hmm. what if everything just comes to me then? Yeah. Right. And I noticed that when I am in just the being state versus like when I get up in the morning and make a to do list of what I need to get done that day versus like tuning into myself. And this really helps me in terms of like sitting down, quieting my mind. And this is I don't meditate to get I get I meditate now to connect with myself. Mm -hmm. And when I get into that being state, it's like from there arises like I feel really inspired now to reach out to this person or to do this task or whatever. And I realize everything just kind of flows. There's yeah. like magic magic that happens and synchronicities and people. And it's just I like, think- I couldn't have. Yeah. And I couldn't have orchestrated this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is what I'm constantly being reminded with like my move situation. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, no, it's just being here, being in the moment, meeting myself right now, being here with my life. Yeah. Oh, that's so
1: cute. that's so beautiful. I love that so much, and I think that that is, uh, again, see, this is where being like a Capricorn and being logical is really interesting. Because I, I hear you say that, and I go, I, I'm like, that seems logical to me <laughs> because, like, <laughs> if you really think about it, like, that makes sense. That, like, that's this is kind of where I'm like, the world is bananas. And this is the thing that makes sense, but it's often taught the other way around. We're taught some people might hear that and be like, "That's the silliest thing I've ever heard," because you're not doing anything. doing anything yeah, exactly, yeah. and they might hear that and be like, "That's nonsensical." And the doing and the proactivity and the lists and the strategy—that's what works. So it's really I, I'm I'm right there with you because that's been my experience as well. Like after so many years of efforting, it hasn't really. Like that's, it just, yeah, it hasn't really paid off the way that you think that it would. And not only that, but then I'm fucking tired as well. So I'm like exhausted. Um, It's kind of amazing when you realize you have to trust though. I think it takes a lot of trust um, to, to live this way. And, but if you, when you do trust, the payoff is that, life can actually be very easeful Mm -hmm. um which is funny because this is like i mentioned to you at the beginning i have this course that's coming out and it's called flow because it's kind of all about this
0: (laughs) so beautiful um something came to my mind oh it's worked oh i think this is this is truly i feel like the 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 teaching of the projector energy type Mm. in human design it's this 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 art of beingness they're here to really show what that is to the world Mm. and I had this shift in my business from what is it that I do Mm -hmm. what is it that I offer Mm. to who's it that I be and just by being what healing what alchemy what transformation is happening yeah and that took so much weight off my shoulders I'm like I don't have to be any I don't have to do anything Mm
1: -hmm.
0: it's the more I can be
1: yeah and I and correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is I'm still learning about being a projector. Actually, I have a question that I want to ask you later. But my understanding is that projectors are kind of here to show people how it, like, the new wave of what can be done. Right? Like, we're the newest type because we're here to... Um, usher other people into like a different way of doing things is that is that that yeah
0: yeah the projector is really about subtle energy and energy mastery so going from this like physical way of living life which is so doing based it's like Mm -hmm. letting your energy do the work for you because projectors don't have energy to we're not designed to work eight hours a day like honestly Mm -hmm. if I'm being told I don't like working (laughs) it's exhausting to be working sometimes And when I'm like really lit up by something, that's when I really have like that energy to, to do it. But having like an everyday work schedule, I don't have one because I find it so monotonous and so boring and so like forceful versus, Mm -hmm. okay, like I feel really excited and really inspired to move from my own, my own energy from my own being to get into action. Then the, and then the The experience of the work is so much more different for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, um, but yeah, we're really here to show the world how to move in a different way from so doing based to being based. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So the, the question that I wanted to ask you, like, I saw your Instagram story yesterday. It was really cute. <laughs> it was for people listening is you were it was, it was dancing in like the forest. I don't know if you were like in the woods or something. And you're like, this is me showing off my splenic authority. And you're just doing this really adorable dance. I am also um, a splenic projector and it's something that I'm still trying to understand. I'm wondering if one, you could explain that video to me because I was like, this is adorable, but I don't understand it. And two, if you could talk about your experience as being a splenic projector.
0: Okay. So yeah, I was in the forest or in the woods. We call it the woods uh, with my husband and we were just set up in, set up a hammock. There was a creek and like, I was just like, totally like in my like... <laughs> In my gym, like, yeah, yeah, like alone in nature, the sound of the creek, sound of running water. And I just felt really giddy. Like I have very like silly, like sometimes really playful energy to me. And I just started dancing. And, um, my husband happened to be like recording videos and I was like, can you record me doing a video like playfully? Yeah. And I just like made that up on the spot in the moment, right then there. And I was like, wow, it It looks like I rehearsed this or something and put this <laughs> yeah. together. And the reason I called it my splenic authority, cause splenic is in the moment in the now. It's meeting, it's meeting the impulse, meeting what wants to come through in the moment, in the now. And in that now moment, that exact dance move wanted to come through me. And that's why I call it, that's why I say splenic authority. So a big part of being a splenic projector is the now moment, the now moment, the now Mm -hmm. moment is when you're going to hear the guidance, hear your intuition, hear what yeah you're yes or you're no like for uh, for splenic uh uh, projectors it's not so much like a gut response gut responses are more for like mgs or generators Mm -hmm. and for splenic it's like a lightning bolt lightning Mm -hmm. bolt lightning bolt it's like a knowing in the moment and you don't know why but
1: what's the difference between a gut a gut response
0: and like a a lightning bolt knowing i don't know what a gut response feels (laughs) like like for me i i I, get nothing in the gut mm, and i I, think And like, like, okay, so think about it's like spider senses. So like the chills down the spine, Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. the hair raising on your arm, or when you walk into a room, and you feel all this like sensations moving through your body, that's your spleen working. So it's like very primitive, very survival based. It's very uh, biological based as well, like racing of the heart or uh, I get really like, my eyes get really big. Mm-hmm. So what are the things that you notice you do when you're so turned on and you're getting like a download or you're getting a yes in your body for something?
1: That's so interesting. Cause I do, when I say, I feel like I get a gut instinct. I think that's the phrase that I use. I don't necessarily feel it in my gut, but it is just like, I have such a hard time explaining it. It does just feel like a un- unknowing, but I would say all of those things that you mentioned are things that I experience you know like the hair standing up the when you walk into like a a, a party or a restaurant or a something and you just get a get a or a room and you get a feeling for something, but I think my question is, do you feel like you get that for even small things like how as so I'm indecisive I'm indecisive, and so what I want to learn more about is how to be more decisive based on and also spleenic authorities are supposed to be decisive, right. And so no, cause
0: it can change moment to moment. It's in the moment. So like, if someone were to ask me, like, do you want to go to dinner now? And I'd be like, yeah, of course I do. I'm in the moment. And then tomorrow I'm like, no, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like the decision is so in the moment. Yeah. And it's okay to be realize, oh, now it's no longer what I want to do anymore. That happens to me all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I preface this to my husband. I'm like, right now I'm going to say yes, but tomorrow I may not want to do this. Yeah. I totally try. I need to like learn not to make plans in the future. It's it's something that I've been practicing. (laughs) Yeah. I think the more you get into your body Mm -hmm. and if for me, I always hard to describe it. It's like kind of this energy that's like moving up, mm. right? Instead mm. of like a kind of contained in your stomach, for me, it feels like it's a rising that's happening and it's like mm. wants to come out.
1: Oh, so interesting.
0: Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. But I, I kind of see it like a cat. So if you ever, if you have a cat or you live around a I cat, I do have a
1: cat. I love my cat. So yeah.
0: witness your cat. That is total splenic authority embodiment. The way they yeah. move, it's like all of a sudden my cat is like bathing in the sun. Now she's like cleaning herself.
1: Yes, totally. Or she's just like running around playing with a toy. Yeah, it's, like it's so her- in. The,
0: it's <laughs> so in the moment. So the idea is that we should always be
1: checking in and making decisions in the moment, depending on what and seeing what the moment has. Yes. to what the yeah, seeing what the moment has to say.
0: Yeah, and it's like it's like us meeting the moment and the m- moment holds the answer. But like, I, like a lot of people will say, like the spleen speaks once and never speaks again. I don't believe that because the moment is a new every single moment. Yeah. So you may not hear it the first time, but you'll hear it again. It's yeah. just like fine tuning what that. So think about a time in your life where you've made a decision and you were like, yep, that was totally my intuition. So like another word is intuition yeah. and just go through the sensations that happened to, into your body yeah. and like what you were feeling. And it's yeah. like to, the mind is like completely out of the picture. Totally. It's yeah. For me, I know it's all body here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and meditation has actually
1: helped me with that. Like really exactly. I'm clear on what that feeling is.
0: Yeah. And Spike for a splenic authority meditation is great because it really just helps them get into the body and understand when they're in their mind. Yeah. Cause their intuition is speaking through the body, not the mind. Right. Totally. So yeah. it's like splenic authority, the same thing for intuitive projector. Got it. Got it.
1: I do have to say what you just said is so beautiful. This could be a quotable. I'm going to just share the moment holds the answer
0: yeah it does I'm like I don't know I might not want to do this tomorrow but yes right now it's a yes (laughs) (sighs) yeah um so tell me about the course the flow course
1: oh yes so um we've kind of touched on a couple topics that uh that sort of explain why I've created the course the course is called flow and it's all about healing your relationship with productivity and what I want to impart onto people is very much what we talked about this idea of you can still be quote unquote productive. Like this course isn't about like, Oh, just like sitting back and like learning how to relax and taking life slow. It's actually learning how to be really efficient with your time and your energy. So you talked about, I, so I actually, what you said about work, I actually like love working. And I always thought maybe that was like Capricorn in me. Like I, just, I don't know. I just love, I love my job and I I love working, but at the same time, I've really had to learn how to learn how to do that. Um, with the trust and also learning like where my like unhealthy relationship with productivity really was coming from. Cause there's, Mm -hmm. there's healthy productivity and unhealthy productivity. Right. And so for, I work with a lot of women who are like, and men who are like, maybe I used to identify as being hustlers and they're very ambitious and they're very hardworking and they're starting to be like, okay, that ain't it, but they still want to enjoy success in their life. And I want to be like, it's not mutually exclusive. Like you can learn how to work in flow and be incredibly successful at what you do and have energy and all of these things. But it does come for these people. If you're someone out there, who's like really intense about working. Oftentimes that's come from like a trauma response. Like our needs to be super productive, oftentimes as a trauma response. You're like, because you feel like you're unworthy or you're not good enough or you need to prove yourself or you were taught from your like immigrant parents. Like I was that work is the only way that you can stay safe. And, and it's the respectable thing to do. Like all of these different stories that we have about productivity or some people just feel really unsafe slowing down. down yeah. And so anyway, so this whole course um, is is about Is about that learning how to how to slow down, how to be in flow. Actually, and it's not even about slowing down. It's about living intimately with the present moment, kind of like what you were saying. You live intimately with the present moment, and then actually, everything becomes very easeful. So that course I want to say is coming out at the end of July, but because I'm a projector, I don't actually know. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see where that takes me. It could be like early August, Um, and I'm like really excited about it. So if people are interested in that, they can find that on my website at evaliao.com or you can actually message me on Instagram. That's like my favorite way to interact with people. Um, my Instagram is bad bitch living. And there's like an early bird wait list where people can sign up and get bonuses and specials and all that stuff.
0: That sounds amazing. I love that you said this. I'm just going to reinforce this because this is beautiful. Um, productivity often is a need to be... Uh, need to be productive is often a trauma response. Yeah. 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 That, um,
1: that was my experience for sure. And um, that was one of the, like, again, a wonderful example of how suffering is an initiation into something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that was something that I struggled. Oh my God. I can't even tell you when I started my own business, I, it was already there to begin with. And then starting my own business heightened that intensity. And for years I tried to run my business based on hustling and, no surprise there as you can probably guess that did not work out well <laughs>
0: yeah. so I want to share about you know what I want yeah that's my my experience is very similar to that as well um where can people find you
1: um yeah on my website evilly.com like I mentioned Instagram bad bitch living come say hi and um oh yeah we also have a podcast uh, I run my podcast with my friend Kylie and that's called hello universe
0: Oh really? That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you enjoy the podcasting medium? Oh my God. It's like my favorite thing in the whole world. <laughs> it's, it's,
1: um, I, yeah, I love talking as you can tell, but I also love
0: meeting new people. That's just been such a valuable experience. Are you someone who loves to ask questions? Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, we are yeah. one and the
1: same. I think I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm a question asker and I've often told that I can ask very, you know, like soul touching questions, but I think you give me a run for my money. (laughs) 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 Yeah. It's like, you really, if you have that projectorism, you like go yeah. Them. Yeah.
0: There's there, there's only so much I can get on a podcast. I wish I could just spend like a couple hours with the person and just mm-hmm. kind of like go into their world with them. Yeah. 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 Um, before we end, I think the final question I want to ask you is what's one piece of wisdom or teaching that you'd want to share that's kind of made the most impact maybe from your own journey of, Maybe this was a concept to you or something that you are like, oh, it'd be really cool to master or finally understand. And now you've really, really like you went from a concept to a knowing, like something that's really been healing or helpful for you on your journey. Hmm. I think
1: we, we touched on a, on a couple of them in the show, but I will come back to this one because I think it's one of those things that's been truly life altering. Um is this idea that um reality is love because I think and this this is something that one of my other teachers, Tom, taught me, he's like it's room for everything. Meaning it's in it's the space in which you resist nothing. And that's I mean, people talk about like living in the present moment, living in the present moment, like how do you do that? That's it. That's it. It's (laughs) being in the now being in reality in which you notice that that's actually the most loving thing that there is. And then so you stop resisting life. And that is
0: so transformative. Mm, That's beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much for your medicine today.
1: Oh my goodness. Thank you. This was such a just soulful, delightful conversation. Thank you.